I preach Christ crucified, see me, I died, it's he who lives and I, how could I hide inside, this little inside of mine, I gotta go let it shine, you're like, oh my god. Hello, and welcome to More Time Theology, um, a show typically recorded from the campus of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, um, but not at the moment. Uh, we're a group of Reformed Christians who tackle theological and societal issues for the glory of God. The purpose of this podcast is to converse about issues that are important to the evangelical community and seek to provide insightful commentary that ultimately brings glory to Christ and helps upbuild the Christian listener. We ask and answer the, tr- uh, the tough questions everyone is afraid to tackle, and we do it with open Bibles. Yeah, today begins our five-part series, beginning today with God's holiness. And the series is on the essentials of the gospel message. Next, we're going to cover the depravity of man, then the punishment for sin, the atoning work of Christ, and finally, the response of the sinner. My name is Alex. And I'm Josh. And we are both students at Southeastern. Before we begin, we just wanted to say a few things regarding the current coronavirus situation that we're dealing with. We are most definitely experiencing a range of emotions and circumstances and many times, I think, within the Christian community, Christian bubbles, you know, we'll say, you know, God is in control, or God is sovereign during this time, just trust in God and things like that. But, oftentimes, we refuse to act like that is really true. And with this episode, what we want to show is that God truly is in control. He really is sovereign over all things. And so with that, Josh, would you open us in prayer, man? Yeah. Father, uh, we just thank you and praise you for being um, the type of God who cares for us and who loves us and um, who would be willing to give up his son to die for us. Um, Father, I just pray that today you would um, allow us to speak your words, God, um, faithfully, and that we would um, just trust in you in all things. I thank you that even during this time, We can trust in you and that you are a good and you are a holy God and that everything is according to your purpose and your plan. And we thank you for that, knowing that even in this, you are sovereign. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah. The first set of scripture we really want to go over to start our time here is Revelation 19, 11 through 16. This is the passage famously known as the Rider on a White Horse passage. It is such a crazy, beautiful, and powerful image of the God that we serve. And that section reads, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What an image, man. Um, 
it's hard to comprehend and think about yeah, just this God. Yeah, exactly what John saw in this saw here is just hard to put into words. Yeah. It just shows that God's holiness produces reverence. Yeah. And to think that one day we're gonna see Jesus face to face, you know, that just that's just awesome. That's amazing that we're gonna see that God face to face. Um and so uh really the word holy and what we are trying to get at here is um, that God is set apart. Holy means to be set apart. And so when it says in Isaiah that he's holy, 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 mm. it means he's set apart. He's set apart. He's set apart. Even when you have the temple and the tabernacle, you have the chamber, the outside chamber, and then you have the inner chamber, and then you have the holy of holies. You have he's set apart three times, just like he's holy, holy, holy set apart set apart set apart from who he's set apart from us he's not like us yeah yeah that's so good uh, another passage of scripture that really paints that image is um, isaiah 55 do you have that up yes so in isaiah 55 verse 8 for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the lord in verse 9 for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He doesn't think like us. He doesn't act the way we do. We act in a very human way. We can't expect him to act the same way that we do. He acts the way that he does. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a contrast to what I think we hear a lot today um, in in church. Like it's the the God that is the God that is being preached many times it seems is a God that's a lot like us, you know, like, yeah. like we, we experience maybe the same emotions as God because we come from him, but ultimately his ways, like, like the passage said, his ways are perfect. He is so higher than us, you know, and, and a lot of times we'll say, Oh, I, I don't believe in this or I don't believe in that because I don't believe in a God who would do this or that. I don't believe in a God who would, punish because of this or etc fill in right. the blank but that's only because you can't comprehend a god that wouldn't act like you would act exactly right? yeah which is sinful <laughs> it's sinful to to limit god in that way to only believe in a god that only acts like you like, that's ridiculous An- another passage of scripture that's really good at painting that is uh, Exodus chapters 33 and 34 In Exodus chapter 33, Moses in verse 12 says to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses goes on to say, let me see you, God. You know, um, we're following you, and all the, we're following you, and we're, and we're devoting all of all of our lives to you, all of our time to you. But I've I've never even seen you, God. Can I see you, God? And and the Lord, the Lord replies, and he says in verse twenty of of chapter thirty three, he says, "But you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live." 
right before mm-hmm. this, he, he said, yeah, you can see a part of me. I'm going to, I'm going to cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I'll proclaim my name so that you know that I'm coming. But listen, Moses, I'm so much higher than you. I'm so different from you. I am so holy and set apart from you that if you were to see me because of your sinfulness, because of who you are, if you were to see me, you would die. Mm. Yeah, and then in chapter 34, he goes on to proclaim his name to Moses. And this is what he says. It's in uh, 34 verses 6. Or we'll do five and six. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, "The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation." So this is what God is proclaiming himself or his name to be. Yeah, let's let's first ask for this discussion. What are some, just so we can dive in a little deeper, what are some basic attributes of God that can easily be known by just pure rationality? So just looking at the world, knowing things about material reality, what are th- some things we can just grasp easily? Right, because in Romans 1 it talks about how by creation... There are certain attributes of God we can know, Mm -hmm. such as his divine nature. So, Mm -hmm. like, for instance, we can know that he's a creator because there is creation. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, if you look at creation, you know that there can't just have been some, like, it just couldn't have happened by nothing. Something has to cause it to happen. It's not just going to exist. Mm -hmm. We know that whenever we build something, it just didn't exist. Someone... Mm -hmm took the time to build it and craft it. Yeah. And the same can be said about creation. And there is a fixed order to everything which shows that someone made that fixed order or put it in its place. Mm, that's good. Yeah. There, I, I, I published an article, I think it was today. Actually, I put, it was either today or yesterday. And there's this one section that talks about um, how in one of my classes at Southeastern, our, our professor stressed the point many times throughout many classes that there's a reason this world, this material world is called a cosmos and not a chaos. Cosmos in Greek means order. Chaos in Greek means vast, or it means like this large void. Um, and so there's a reason why we call it a, a cosmos because it has order to it. Mm-hmm. And the popular belief that's going around out there right now is that that ordered structure that we see just came about by random processes. But we know right. by just pure rational thinking, that's impossible. And the same and the same is true when you look at nature. When you just look at the creation, it is impossible to look at that and conclude oh yeah, there couldn't be anybody who's designed this. There can't be any first cause behind this. There is no designer. You know. Yeah, even something like a, a table, for instance, desi- uh, requires some sort of designer. And if you put three legs on it, it would not work nearly as well as if it had four. Mm-hmm. Or if you didn't have bolts holding it in place or screws or whatever it may be, then it's just going to fall apart whenever the wind knocks against it. So even something simple like that requires design and intelligence 
now look at when you get to something like animals and mankind or creation itself or the order of the universe that requires a lot more design we can't even create life with all of our scientific methods from nothing we have to use life to make life mm -hmm. we can't create life from nothing and in proverbs 319 through 20 it says by wisdom the lord laid the earth's foundations he by understanding he set the heavens in place by his knowledge the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew just showing that it's god who created the universe from the scripture and he used wisdom to put its foundations in place this is not a poorly constructed universe we're in which mm. is good because if it was we <laughs> it would be inconsistent we'd be blobbing off or something i don't even know what would be going on because there is an order so i don't know what that would even be like yeah 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 i'm thinking of these things that we can know about god just by looking at creation creator orderer we know that to be true uh, we can also know uh, and this partly has to do with being a creator but he's powerful he's yep. all powerful um it, it seems most ra most rational to, to think that um, the creator of this thing that we call the cosmos has to be outside of the cosmos. And because of that, he has complete control and has the, the highest ability to manipulate his creation because he's outside of it. He doesn't he, he's not in. It's not like God is floating out there in in the universe, like with a body somewhere, like Mormons believe. Right. <laughs> uh, and um, some scripture that backs that up is, um, in John ten twenty nine. It says. Yeah, I'll I'll just read that for you. Okay. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. So Jesus is saying there that his father is greater than anybody. And there are other scriptures, you know, that talks about, you know, well, the fact that he's creator, just the idea that he was able to create everything. You know, if the word is the one who created him without him. Nothing is made that is made. That indicates that he's all powerful. Yeah. Nothing is without him is made that is made. Mm. So therefore he is more powerful than everything that is made. He's all more powerful than all creation. He's all powerful. Mm. And that all came by the speaking of his word. Yeah. Yeah. So omnipotence, creator, orderer. Another one we could we could say is he he must know everything. He must be aware of everything within his creation. If he if he has the ability to create it and sustain it, keep it going, yeah. he must know how it works. He must know everything about everything that is that is his creation he must know it all and so he's he's omnipotent creator order he's also omniscient which is a fancy word to mean that he's all knowing right um and and a scripture that backs that up is hebrews four thirteen. nothing in all creation is hidden from god's sight everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account so nothing in all creation is hidden from God. God sees it all. He right. knows it all. He understands it all. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That's that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So omnipotence, omniscience, all-powerful, all-knowing, creator, orderer. He's also omnipresent. Right. 
and going going back between omniscient and omnipresent you know in Psalm 139 this is a good chapter for both of those in verse 1 says O Lord you have searched me and you know me you know when I sit and when I rise you perceive my thoughts from afar you discern my going out and my lying down you are familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue you know it completely O Lord you hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful me for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. It's There's not a place on this earth you can go where God is not at and there's not a thing you could say or do that God doesn't already know about. Yeah, so he's he's everywhere. There's no there's nowhere we can go. There's nothing we can do uh to get away from him. He is just sharing our every experience. Um not to say that he is the part of the creation. Yeah. Not to say that he you know, when I touch this book, when I touch these this desk, or, he's he's he sees it all. He's not, he's not a part of it, you know what I'm saying? He's not right, uh, which would be considered pantheism, which says which is another totally different view that says God is everything. We are all part of God. That is obviously not true. We know God is not us. <laughs> not we are not a part of God. God is apart from us. He is. That's that's the whole point of this discussion. To 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 communicate that God is not us. He's, he's a part, he's not a part of us. Yeah. Um, another awesome aspect of his character is that he's beautiful. Mm. Um, this is something just by looking at creation again, you can, you can know you go outside, you look at the sun setting, you look at the sun rising, you, you see the mountains, um, you see the mountains, you see the flowers, the grass, the, the, the beauty of creation, animals, um, and I, I would even argue, you look into your friend's face, you look into your face, and in, in, in the mirror, we had a we had a speaker not too long ago at Southeastern that was stressing this a lot that you want to see the glory of God, you want to see the beauty of God, you just look at at your friend, you look at the face of your friend, you look at yeah, you look at yourself in the mirror, you'll see the beauty of God, even if. Maybe you don't assign that to yourself. Hmm. God declares it beautiful. Um, and scripture that backs that up is Psalm 19, 1 to 2. It's a very popular couple verses. It says, the, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Hmm. So... The heavens, meaning all of creation, the stars, the, the, everything. It all, it all, sh it all shows God's character. It all shows His beauty. Mm, and even though, like, the, all these things are beautiful, they pale in comparison to the One who created them. 
he created all things. He's more powerful than all things. But he's also more beautiful than all things. Jesus, God, is the most beautiful, beautiful being. Mm. Because he created all beauty. And he is the most beautiful. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Yeah, so the next question maybe we can tackle. Um, so we went over the attributes of God that we can know by just looking at what we see around us. Right. Um, just by pure rationality. Um, so conversely, what are some attributes of God that are outlined by Scripture specifically? So we can know that God is all these things, omnipresent, om- omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. What are some specific things that Scripture dives into a little bit deeper that sh- that flesh out God's character in a more fuller way? Yeah, we could uh, definitely talk about a few of his more interesting attributes that specifically apply to how he interacts with mankind. Which one of them would be that he's a judge. Yeah. Yeah. And Psalm 96, verse 13. And, and now there are countless verses in, in Scripture that talk about God as judge. Um, but verse 13 of Psalm 96 paints it really well. It says, Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So he's going to come to judge the earth. What does that mean? Is he going to is he going to judge the the animals? Is he going to judge the you know the the nature? No, he's going to judge humanity. That's what he that's what it means. He's going to he's coming to judge the earth. He will come to judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So he's going to come and measure our deeds. He's going to come and see how we how we acted, and he's going to judge us for it. Yeah. yeah. And that's good. So so he's a judge. He's also, another thing that's laid out by Scripture, and the, these, these three sort of go together, he is eternal, infinite, and changeless. So by eternal, what we mean is he is outside of time. He, because we know that the, that the creation is, is, is bounded, right? This universe is, it has boundaries and it's not infinite. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't go on forever though. It is humongous. It doesn't go on forever, Uh, but God is outside of creation. He's outside of everything that, that limits the creation. Um, and he's changeless. Yeah. Um, one verse that would show that he's changeless would be Hebrews 13, 8 which is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So that shows that he is changeless. He does not change. Um, we also know that from Genesis that he is um, outside of time and space. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we, I really don't even have to finish the whole uh, verse, uh, Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God. Mm. In the beginning, before it even goes into all the rest of the creation, before you even say created the heavens and the earth, in the beginning, God, proving that God is not limited by his creation, like we were saying earlier. He's not in the creation. He's outside of the creation. In the beginning, God, God was the only thing, only person, only being that existed. He was reality. 
he he was reality during that time, you know, and he is ultimate reality though we can't see him tangibly, you know. Um, what's a, there, I think there's a couple other scriptures we could go into with this one. Yeah, um, one I would like to at least do is Exodus three fourteen, which is God said to Moses, "I am who I am. This is what you are to say to Israel, to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you, and the the meaning of the name I am." really is it can be translated as like i am always like i always exist mm. or am i am changeless basically my attributes never change or i am infinite it's like my attributes are infinite so he's infinite he's changeless and he is eternal so he's outside of time his attributes do not change and they are infinite one other thing set, set forth by scripture is that he's morally perfect. He's a standard setter. So we have, he's eternal outside of time. He's the judge of humanity. And um, this goes right right in with judge. Because he's the judge, because he's the highest being, he is, he is perfect. Everything about him is perfect. And especially morally. He is morally hmm. perfect. He, he sets the standard for us. Um, and in Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, he says, "He it says, He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Because he is the ultimate being, because he He owns us, basically. He He, he has created us, and he He." owns the rights to all of us and he sets the standards he's the greatest being he can do whatever he wants ultimately and his ways are perfect his ways are just Uh, he's a a faithful God who does no wrong he's upright and just he's the greatest judge the standard set he's the morally perfect being yeah and God himself put himself to this same moral standard you know jesus perfectly fulfilled the law and in matthew 5 verse 48 it says be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect um we have a representation of what perfection looks like he doesn't just say you guys do these things but i'm not going to do it he says these are the things that are perfect and then he displays what that is through himself and then through his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. Um, just, like a, just like in a courtroom, just like, uh, just like a regular judge would, when he judges, he gives rewards and he gives punishments. And when he gives punishments, he is displaying another aspect of his character outlined in Scripture um, that is very fleshed out and not preached much today. And that is that he's wrathful. So he has wrath. He gives out punishment to those whom he chooses to give out punishment. And those who deserve it get his wrath. Um, mm. And I should say, too, uh, the Bible makes his wrath very clear. In fact, when we were looking for scriptures for his wrath, I came across so many that we couldn't, we couldn't possibly have picked all of the ones that talk about his wrath. Oh, yeah. Not to say that that wasn't true for a lot of them. It was true for a lot of these. Oh, yeah. But it's just to show you that... God takes sin seriously. Yeah, yeah, because because of all the all the other things we were talking about. It, it, when you see sin for what it is, you see sin as an offense against an eternal. 
a changeless and omnipotent yeah. and, and omnipresent and omniscient God. And that's a serious offense that has to be taken seriously. And God definitely does and communicates that throughout Scripture. In Revelation 14, 11, there's a description of God's wrath. There's a, there's a, there's a, an image of people who have chosen to continually sin and, and not turn around from their sin. Mm. And it just shows a little bit of their experience. And it says in verse 11 of chapter 14 of Revelation that, And the smoke of their torment will rise up forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast in its image or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. So for those who want to continue in their sinful ways, for those who want to continue doing evil, God is going to, he's going to repay. He's going to repay. And as this image shows, it's not, it's not fun. It's, it's terrible. It is torment, it says. And his wrath is totally justified. In Colossians 3, 5, and 6, uh, the scripture says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God isn't just on mankind because God is wrathful. Mm-hmm. The wrath of God is on mankind because mankind deserves it. That's and right. we're, we're definitely going to be getting to that when we go into the sinfulness of man. Mm-hmm. But... This wrath is righteous. It is just wrath. And it's like if you saw someone, let's just say, torture children, or if you were there during the Holocaust, or during American slavery, or all these different horrible events in history, if you were there during that time, you would rightfully say that they deserve wrath. That that is what is just. Yep. How much more so when you see people spitting in the face of God? Yeah. When you mm-hmm. see them talking about this holy God and using his name as a cuss word mm-hmm. and giving him no respect and no reverence, which he rightfully deserves. How much more wrath should be for that? <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> a lot more. Because... The subject, the victims in in those situations you were describing, the victims in 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 slavery, the victims in the Holocaust. You know, they were they were human beings. They were they were sinful human yeah. beings. We're talking about the holy God of the universe here. You know, and uh, yeah. It, so he he doles out wrath when it when it is just to do so, which is which seems often with humanity. Another place we could go to, or a, another aspect of his character, uh, which is. A good contrast up against his wrath. So he's a wrathful judge. That is that is one of his one of his uh, greatest ca- uh, characteristics. One of his other amazing and and awesome characteristics is that he's gracious. He's mm-hmm. merciful. Uh, there's there's one passage I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it talks about how God doesn't repay us immediately. Um, you you think about it in Genesis one when or Genesis. Three, when when the fall happens, you know God, God said beforehand, if you sin against me, I'm going to punish you. I am, you're going to die. Does he do it right away? No, he lets them live long, full lives. You know, he has yeah. mercy. He doesn't he doesn't punish immediately. He doesn't pay back immediately, but he does pay back. So he is gracious and merciful. 
and, and a good image of that all throughout the Psalms. <laughs> you can just go all throughout the Psalms that talks about the graciousness, the mercy yeah. of one, God. One thing I want to mention is, just real quick, saying going on what you said, when God didn't kill them that day, mm-hmm. something did die. Yep. Just to clarify it, that God didn't lie that something did die. Mm-hmm. But um, going into the fact, and that's His grace and His mercy that it wasn't, you know, Adam and Eve, which it certainly should have been. Uh huh. But going into the Psalms, if you want to. Read yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so a, a, a good verse to point to um, that talks about God's gracious and merciful love is in Psalm 103, verse 8, which says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. So, you know, he's definitely angry. He definitely gives out judgment and wrath, but he's slow to anger. He doesn't he doesn't pay back immediately all, all, all the time, you know. And if that were the if that were the truth that that he if we'd pay back immediately, then we'd all be dead. Yeah. <laughs> we'd all be dead because we all sin. Um, and we all sin pretty pretty continually, but we'd all be dead. It's a mercy right now. He's he, he's showing his mercy right now to us to to the lis- to the listener and and to to Josh and I by letting us live. Yes, <laughs> yes. So even though he is wrathful, there is grace and there is mercy there, and that should make you all the much more see God for how holy He is and how. Yep awesome of a God he is that he doesn't give us what we deserve that he gives us time that he is good to us and he's good to those he lets the sun shine on the wicked and on the righteous he lets the rain fall on the wicked and on the righteous he is a good God he allows bad people wicked people to experience good things Mm. yeah that's good did you have a scripture as well did you, that you'd like to... Yeah, well, in Psalm 116, 5, it says, The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Mm. He's full of it. Yeah. And just to just to go back a little bit, um, the situation from earlier that we described between Moses and God, uh, before God shows himself as much as, he, as much as Moses could be shown without dying... Um, before he shows himself, he says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and mm-hmm. sin. So, you know, he is he is full of wrath, right? When, when, he, when he judges and when he doles out punishments to those who deserve it. But he is full of love. He is full of this, 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 awesome compassion on the people that bear his image even though they don't deserve it in the slightest yeah and i know we just we've already read that but we should keep reading it until it becomes so real to us that we know it's like we act on it we need to act on these attributes of god you know god is faithful we need to act on that god is merciful and grace gracious we need to act on that god is wrathful we need to act on that yep all these things, these attributes of God, they are 100% true. Just think about that for a second. They are so true. You need to accept that in your mind. you know. And it's something that you probably, and at least I do, I have to go over in my head 
over and over again remind myself of this is who God is. Yeah. Act on that because you can trust it. He will. He's, he's faithful. He will follow through. Mm. He is changeless. He will follow through on who he is today. He will follow through on who he is a thousand years from now. Yeah, That's so encouraging, man. What makes that image of God even more amazing? What makes these wonderful personality traits of this wonderful God even more amazing is when we see us for who we really are. You know, when we see the contrast between God and us, God becomes even more amazing mm. because we see how wicked we are. We see how screwed up we are, you know. Yeah. And that, you know, that's that's going to be the the topic for our next episode is this this doctrine of the depravity of man, the the sinfulness of man, the the set apartness of man in the in the negative sense of the, of the term, set apart from God in the negative sense of the term. We are completely wicked. We are not good. We don't share any of these attributes with him. Yeah, we're he's in the holies of holies. We're not even in the temple complex. <laughs> That's right, man. We are at the bottom of the barrel for sure, and we're gonna get into that next episode. Yeah. Would you like to pray us out? Yeah, yeah, let me do it. Father God, thank you for being how this scripture describes. Thank you for displaying your character to us, for being a gracious, merciful God, for being such a morally perfect, standard-setting God, for being a changeless and eternal God, um, and therefore faithful and reliable God. But Lord, we also thank you for the other aspects of your character. We also thank you for uh, being a judge. We thank you for doing what is right and mm -hmm. repaying evil for evil. We thank you for setting things right um, and for, for maintaining this universe in your righteousness, in your goodness. We know that we can trust in you. We know that even during times like like this with the coronavirus, that we can trust in a God who is both gracious, changeless, uh, omniscient, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing. Um, we can trust in, in the great judge. We can trust in, in you. Let us do that and let us, let us think of you rightly, not not holding this lopsided view of you, not holding this lopsided view of the gospel that maybe loves to to talk about your 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 goodness and your graciousness and your, and your mercy, but doesn't want to address your wrath, doesn't mm -hmm. want to address your your judgment, or that is just as much reality as the other attributes are. There, let us have an equal gospel message. Let us have an equal image of our God mm. um, and in doing that let us also see the splendor of the gospel that that God that that holy eternal and changeless God would love us so much would be filled with so much mercy towards wretched sinners like us that he broke through those boundaries he came into time he he came into a limited body he he put on all these things and he suffered with us and he and you, and you took the wrath of God for us. You took the the that um, 
that judgment for us that yes. we deserved, God. Um, let us let us view the gospel rightly in that respect, in in the the um, the rightness of it. You are you are such a good God, and we praise you. We ask that uh, this would be God glorifying, and that you would be praised. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your character. Thank you for saving those of us who have trusted in you. I pray if anyone that is listening right now does not know you, Lord, that they would submit, repent, and trust in the gospel, trust in this awesome, gracious, and wonderful God that we get to know. In Jesus' name I pray. I preach Christ crucified. See me, I have died to see who lives in How could it hide inside this little inside of mine? I gotta go let it shine. You're like, oh my God.